Welcome to the Orthodontics and Interview Podcast, where Farouk brings you closer to the experts in orthodontics so we can hear their story and learn from their experiences with your host, Farouk Ahmed. Welcome to this episode of Orthodontics in Interview. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure to have Dr. James Andrew joining us. Welcome, James, to Orthodontics in Interview. Thanks, Farouk. Thanks for having me. Um, I feel uh, very humble to be, to be invited, but yeah, I'll, I'll try and do my best and I'll, 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 yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be great, James. So I've been following James for a long time on Instagram, and I'm going to give his introduction in just a second. But I want to talk about how I thought of James. So when I qualified, went on to Instagram, started kind of putting in hashtags, author, and then James Andrews came up. And I thought James was an institution because his posts had evidence based to them. They had biomechanics. I thought this must be some organization. And then I saw a random picture of his family. I was like, huh? So this is actually a human being at the end of it. It's one person. And I've been following him ever since. So James is, in my mind, he is an institution when it comes to education and orthodontics. He's based in prior practice in Perth in Australia. He did his dental school in the University of Dundee in the UK. Uh, he did his residency in British Columbia in Canada. He's got 22,000 followers on Instagram. Majority of his posts, the 600 plus now, are based on orthodontics. Uh, he talks about biomechanics, TADS, orthorestorative interface, MDT with perio interface, loop closure. He's got a research interest in digital orthodontics. He's published a chapter, which will be coming forward, in the 3D Diagnosis and Treatment Planning in Orthodontics, which the lead, public, uh, lead author is Jean-Marc Retrouvier, who's leading on, on digital orthodontics. And he's also a under-11s cricket coach as well, which is a key thing, I think, considering the cricket tournament going on at the moment. So welcome, James, to Orthodontics Interview. Thank you. Thank you for that very, uh, very um, uh, gracious in introduction. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't see myself as an institution, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, that's the world of social media. They make what it will from it. So I think the first question for me, James, is really how, how did that process happen? How did you get into publishing posts on Instagram? How did that begin? Well, well, Instagram for me started actually as a as a general dentist, um, more as a like an advertising venture, to be honest. And then, you know, I've always had a love for photography, and and you know, I think photography changed the way I practice as a general dentist. And then moving into ortho, you know, I think you know, Dr. Kennedy or my professor David Kennedy would have, would always talk about good infrastructure, infrastructure being records and taking excellent records, you know, and I think. That's something that I, luckily I had a good background in that before I got into ortho, but taking good photographs and then that merged into Instagram, taking good records, taking good photographs, and then starting to post cases. And, and, and it's something that I really enjoy, enjoy doing. And I like to link in then evidence, you know, relating to the case, whether that be a biomechanical paper, whether that be a growth paper, whether that be, you know, um, uh, any any particular sort of topic or, or program module that I was doing at that particular time and then link it to the cases that I was doing and it just morphed from there really into into this thing that that you know I get uh, like hundreds of comments and and messages every day now so it's it's almost like it's there's too much I can't unfortunately get get back to everybody but it's uh, yeah I really enjoy it and I think I think I I, I, I try and make it very evidence based and I think hopefully people get some good stuff out of it 
And I also like to post stuff that I don't do well, you know, and I think that's really important that we're honest with, 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 um, with our cases and honest with our, our treatments. And I think, you know, social media can be a bit of a double-edged sword. There's a lot of um, snakes and ladders and myths and sort of grayness. But then there's, you know, that, that to me, I, I call myself a bit of a juxtaposition. You know, I like to be honest and try and be honest. And I think people appreciate that. Well, it seem, seems to. And I think very much that that honesty in your story comes out. And I think one of your recent posts was was in a liner case that you did, or you're currently doing, and you've used tans, and you've still not quite gotten there in this biomax protrusive case. And I think it's so bold to post that, because um, a lot of social media tends to be about, look at a great case, look how great I am. Um, but I think in your posts, they have a very different narrative, where there is something shown, there is the evidence or justification given for it. And when it hasn't worked as well, you're critical in that appraisal. And I think that's I feel that's part of why you are so popular is because there is definitely a theme there of honesty in good and in bad. And I think yeah, that's really yes. powerful in our profession. No, hundred percent. And I think, you know, we really, I think we really have to look at our cases and, and, and really examine them with fine detail to see what we've achieved. Because, you know, if we don't see our mistakes, we, we're, we're just destined to make a repetition of mistakes through our career, you know? So, you know, I, again, you know, I'll probably go into it later, but my one of my mentors, David Kennedy, is just you know there's so many people who don't look at the final results because there's a reason why, right? They don't, and then they'll never get better. So, you know, it's we're all we're all clinicians. We all want to get better, and the only way to do that is realize what mistakes you're making, what you've done wrong. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't pat yourself in the back when you do good things. Yeah, yeah, and picking up on your post, so. Can, there is also a theme in your post about biomechanics, and that's very much the kind of almost yeah. a subspecialty I feel in orthodontics from a theoretical and clinical perspective. What, why is it that you seem to centric yourself on on the biomechanics in orthodontics? Well, you know, I really like to you know I really like to focus I think on precise treatment objectives. So, for example, where do I want that final tooth position, and how precise can I be? you know, and get in getting that position, you know, what force system do I need to achieve, to achieve that? What design of appliance, for example, what appliance is, is appropriate for that tooth movement that I want? I'm, I'm, I'm really, what will the side effects be? Cause there, you know, to every force, there's a reactionary force and I, I want to understand the side effects and how can I minimize that? Um, you know, and I think that's, that's really how the biomechanics thing, you know, I've, I always love mass and mechanics and I like, you know, engineering, and I think, you know, the mechanic, mechanical side is, is, is really interesting. And I think it's something that maybe, I, I don't want to say that a lot of people ignore, but it's something I, I don't like cookie cutter orthodontics where it's, right, here's a playbook, every patient's the same. But uh, yeah. how can that be? Every patient is absolutely different and every malocclusion is different. And I think we have to be more precise. Well, I'm not saying we have to, but I think it, it makes sense that we're more precise in our um, thinking and our treatment objectives and then the plan to get us there. Um, you know, because there's it's a massive difference by, say, treating a hyperdivergent patient than a hypodivergent patient. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then the, the added beauty is then, you know, there's a lot of these cases that we're dealing with growth, and that's a huge unknown for us. So, you know, when we look at, again, Sinclair papers and normal growth studies, and, and, and I'm trying to mimic Right. Well, if I think this patient is going to grow like this, how can I make sure that I don't increase that mandibular plane angle? What are my mechanics going to be? So, you know, I, I have to say I, I'm probably a bit anal about treatment planning and I spend an awful long time doing it. 
Um, but that's just the way I am and that's what I, I expect. I'd want to be treated that way and that's why I want to treat my patients, I think. That's amazing. That is amazing. James, I want to ask a bit about your journey because you've traversed three continents. So you went from the UK through to Canada to Australia. So what took you to these very different locations? Well, you know, I, I actually grew up in Belfast um, in Northern Ireland. And uh, then, you know, my, my dad was actually a consultant physician um, in medicine. And he traveled He traveled a lot. He did research in PMEDIA's diabetes was his specialty. So he lived in Arizona for a while. Um, he traveled to Saudi Arabia. He did a lot of work all around the all around the world, and I think that's where my maybe my passion for traveling came in. Um, you know, I, I did my obviously my undergrad in Dundee and did a VT in Edinburgh, um, and worked with uh, actually Professor Jim McDonald. I don't know if you know Professor Jim McDonald yeah, at Kirkcaldy yeah. Hospital, and I was able to okay. meet Bill Clark. And I actually always loved ortho, but I was actually quite late to actually doing the specialty myself. But, you know, I, I think I always had a love for ortho and I always wanted to do it. Um, and then, you know, I, I finished um, VT and I really was disillusioned at that stage. I hated NHS dentistry. It wasn't, it just wasn't for me. And then actually I went to Australia at that stage after VT and I traveled and worked and traveled and surfed. Um, <laughs> and then I returned to, to Edinburgh after that to practice. Um, and then met my wife, um, Emma, who is Australian, believe it or not, traveling. Uh, well, my future wife, she was my wife then, but we, we then moved back to, to Australia. And I set up practice in Australia and then decided to do my residency in, in Canada because I always wanted to study in North America. I just always had this, I want to go and study in North America, you know. So I was really fortunate. Um, I actually had a couple of choices. I could have gone to University of Pacific or Harvard, um, or Indiana, or Vancouver, and I chose mm. Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I did, because I really enjoyed the program and met some brilliant people. So really, 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 really good teaching. Very good, very good. So then I need to ask you the question, having gone to these different planes, is that what is better, the UK or Australia? Um, look, bear, bear definitely in mind that we, Bear in mind so, that the UK is a bigger audience to this podcast, just saying. Yeah, I'd look... I miss, there's two things I miss about the UK and that's the people and the, the sense of humor, right? I don't really miss the weather, I have to admit, <laughs> but there's this, you know, the, the cultures are, people are, are quite different and a lot of people don't get my sort of sarcasm. You probably see it in some of my posts, but, yes. you know, a lot of my posts have a little touch of sarcasm in it and that's very British, right? We never yeah. like to overplay ourselves or we don't have, you know, and I think... We, I think that's something that I miss, and I miss that dryness and humor, um, yes. which sometimes I have to explain myself, you know, a little bit. <laughs> I think that the most challenging thing is when you're talking to somebody, you have to explain your joke. And for me, it's usually not a very good joke anyway. And it's like, oh, God, it's like, it's like nails yeah, on the know, I'm not really not being nice. serious. I'm being, you know, and, and sarcasm is yeah. something that certainly it, it, it's in, in, ingrained in Irish and Scottish people. I, I think, yes, people, of course, but yes, but yeah. So I think that that's it. But yeah, I, look, I love Australia. I love the, the climate. You know, my kids were born here. They're full, mm. true blue Aussies. They don't support England or Ireland and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i'm i'm probably I, i'd say i'm uh, yeah I, I miss a lot of things about the uk uh, okay. and i miss tato crisps yeah <laughs> uh, you know that's why 
that's why England is the best. So great, we've answered that question. So uh, what I want to ask now that you're in Australia, I'm really interested to know the international kind of manifestations of orthodontics and also what the challenges are. So, so what, being there on the ground, what are the challenges for Australian orthodontics at the moment? Well, look, this is a pretty hard question to answer. And I, 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 you know, I would like to say direct to consumer is certainly something that's growing quite quickly here. Um, is that a problem? This is, I have, I have probably, probably an interesting opinion on direct to consumer. I, I, I've got to, you know, I don't really like company based orthodontics. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's huge companies who have massive marketing and the most famous one, obviously being Invisalign, um, yeah. which, which a lot of, you know, it, it, you know, patients come to see, you know, because they want Invisalign because they've been, you know, the brands out there, they, they've been told this, sold the story and, and, you know, while aligners are great at some things, there's certainly a lot of things that they're not terribly good at. And, and, you know, I, and then, Unfortunately, I, I think practitioners maybe jump on that gravy train a little bit, and are they delivering the best care? So, I think that's—I don't know if it's just Australia, but I think that's sort of bit fairly wide-based. You know that that you know, are we delivering the best care to our patients just because the patients want a particular particular thing? You know, I, I think you don't want to make a sale if it goes against against your better judgment and and how to achieve your best treatment outcome. So. I, for example, I get a lot of people come in and ask for Invisalign, then they walk out with braces on their teeth, right? <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or, or, or I'll do upper aligners and lower braces because I want to intrude their own sizes. Or, yeah. you know, I'll do some sort of hybrid case, or I'll start with braces, do the heavy lifting, and then we'll finish with aligners. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that's the way I'm seeing it, and I think you know, certainly, short term purely cosmetic and unstable treatments are very common now, and I'm. I, Unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of these cases because they relapse relapse faster than they yeah. you know, claim to claim to be able to finish them. You know, so that's a big problem for us, and I think the that's in general dentistry, and I think that's going to be something that that it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I see already see it. I see it every week, um, unfortunately. I think that's I think that's an international challenge that is that that you've got adults who are having their third or fourth course of orthodontics because they've done a number of short-term orthodontics through different means and clinicians and so forth uh, and yeah they've they've kind of gone full circle and come back to to the initial um, so James I wanted to also ask with with social media is that where do you think it should fit into to orthodontic education in comparison to the conventional streams of education, the, the conferences, the papers, where do you see it fitting in? Yeah, you know, I think we've got to be, I think it's, it's first of all, it's got this huge potential because of the global audience that you get, the accessibility to, to good information, but it also it's got a double-edged sword. So there's a lot of maybe fringe-based orthodontics um, maybe non-evidence-based orthodontics that that people maybe who don't have a good foundational knowledge or you know don't do their own reading or research might believe you know so I think it, it's got this enormous potential like your page like Patrick Fleming's page is awesome um, you know some of the uh, clinical orthodontic pages are brilliant you know uh, Giorgio Ferrelli does biomechanics like nobody else. You know, I, I love that sort of stuff. Um, but then there's and then there's other sort of stuff, you know, which is 
you can see it has a huge number of followers, but really isn't evidence-based. So I think it's got the potential to be really good, but at the same time, it, it can lack that peer review that certainly systematic reviews and, and really good sort of clinical randomized control, control trials have and things like that. So I think we've got to, as I try and do, we've got to blend it with evidence. And I think if you do that and it's on that sort of forum and that sort of platform, I think it can be really powerful and you can certainly get your message out to, to a huge audience. And, 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 you know, they don't have to pay a fortune for it either, which is nice. Mm, absolutely. And I think one of the things I've picked up from yourself is that the, there is that theoretical thing you'll learn from the paper. You'll be able to recite it, the date, the title, the author, and blah, blah, blah. But actually, when you see it in a photo of the, of the teeth moving, that's when it makes sense. Uh, and some people like yourself have that third eye where you can do that in your mind. But I think it's great for the rest of us who don't have that perhaps cognitive power, specifically myself, who, who then can see that and go, oh, yeah, that's what it means. And, and then that's cemented that research, but actually in clinical practice, because ultimately that's what it's about. It's, it's about the patient. Yeah. Um, so sticking to the theme of sticking to the theme of, of orthodontics um, and clinical skills, I want to know who do you admire the most in orthodontics? Oh, look, I think certainly from from my my program, I'll I'll start with them. You know, there's David Kennedy, who's a dual specialist pediatrics and orthodontics. Um, he he uh, he was trained in University of Washington with uh, Peter Sinclair and June Deff and. Will Little, all these great names, Kokich, and like a lot of our sort of program was based around their their research and their research at the University of Washington. Um, and then you know, Ed Ed Jen was he was you know very based in biology, and then we had um, like there's too many Bing, Bing Shan Zhu. She was my um, uh, my principal um, in my research. Uh, fantastic orthodontist like can bend me meow or you know multi-edge arch wire or, you know multi-edge multi-loop arch, arch wires in like five minutes chair side wow. right wow. and then we had professor jay sung who came from korea who was the first guy who, who started the dentals tad system so he was he came for a year as a visiting professor and i learned so much of i like i was i i just literally lucked out on all this guy then we had Ben Pliska, who's you know one of the leaders in sleep apnea research, which is very topical at the minute sleep. So he's very pragmatic and very well versed in, in sleep. Um, and then you know, I love reading Lyle Johnson's work. Uh, Jay Bowman, Sheldon Peck, uh, Melson, you know, Zacherson, Rosa, Fleming, O'Brien, like all this research, which brilliant, brilliant minds and brilliant, you know, brilliant studies. Uh, and, you know, I think the biggest thing about our program, you know, was how we learned to deconstruct research and actually look for every little bit of bias and where does this paper fall down. And I think that's from that. Every paper's got a little bit of gold in it. But, you know, if you can identify the bias and look at the sample and actually really read the paper, then only then you'll get actually the truth out of it. And whether that be, you know, one one little bit of truth or, or a lot of truth. And, and I think that's that's the beauty about, about research. It's not, you just don't read the abstract and conclusion because those can ultimately be actually total opposite to what the paper is showing. Mm, absolutely. I remember one of the things with Kevin O'Brien, he would, he would always say he'll just look at the tables. 
So not the actual written results. He would just go to tables and work it out himself. And I think that's such a powerful idea that you've put forward, that, that that's, we should be appraising whilst reading. And I suppose the same is, is in social media, as you've already said, is that, that that appraisal process should take place as to what information we receive as an input in our orthodontic practice. Um, the final question I want to conclude with, James, is what one piece of advice would you give to all orthodontists out there? I think certainly, you know, take take excellent records. Um, look at your records when you finish, and 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 really try and judge your treatment effect. And just be honest, you know. I think I think there's just there's something like if you if you stuff like I remember David kind of just saying like if you have if you've done something wrong, just tell the patient, be honest, and and like it's just being a human, you know, being a good human, looking at you know how can I get better. Every every case, you're never going to be perfect. So try and find out what you did wrong and then fix it and make it better. And every day you'll get a little bit better. And I think that's, to me, just that's very simple, a very simple logic to follow. Um, but you got to look. If you don't look, you'll never see, mm. you know. Absolutely. And I think that's that's pretty important. Excellent. James, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast again. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you next post. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, no, you're welcome, and thanks so much for having me. It was uh, a real, real, real good experience, and uh, hopefully, we'll 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 meet in person soon. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, my man. Yeah. We'll have. I'll bring the crisps. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs>